All I want is to get back to America. I'm just asking you to help me out here. Very difficult journey, very risky, very dangerous. Do you have the money? Just take the risk. What'd you find, Cortez? Who's there? Stand by to receive our transmission. Things live will get a little dicey around here. <laughs> I feel the need, the need for speed. To infinity and beyond. If I'm not me, who the hell am I? Tell me that you're special. Come in, primary ignition. The bullets start flying. Hit the deck. You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Inconceivable! Uh, just a drink. A martini. Shaken, not stirred. Go. Run like the wind! Fun will now commence. Be it morning, noon or night, I say hello to all of you. Clint Morris here on the whole cast. Uh, thanks for your company and thank you for tuning in last week. Uh, big horror show, of course. We had uh, qu- quite a crowded house. I mean, more of a crowded house than the ARIA charts of 1987. Uh, we, ha- we had some great guests on it. And uh, thank you for, for tuning in. The feedback was uh, was wonderful. I hope that inspired you to go out and check out some icky and gooey efforts uh over that uh, that Halloween, or, or as, as was the case, the week after Halloween, um, I hope you hope you went and uh, you know dug up some old horror classics, you know, brushed the cobwebs away, and uh, and scared yourself silly there. Uh, this week, we're, somewhat, we're going to stick to the uh, the horror theme, I guess, but uh, concentrate more on things that are uh, simple but successful. I'm not talking about Paris Hilton. We're not having Paris on the show. We're, <laughs> Uh, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about indie films. I came here to save you! Oh yeah? And who's gonna come to save you, Junior? I can see an email with the subject header, Funny Boy, coming in right now. Uh, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, MacGyver-style filmmaking. Um, you know, ever since, uh, you know, going down a Burke Street there in the, uh, mid-90s and, and seeing Robert Rodriguez as, uh, El Mariachi, uh, I've been fascinated by uh, you know filmmakers that can you know pretty much uh, pretty much put together a film with 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 merely some 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 sticky tape and uh, a dirty Trojan. It's uh, not that <laughs> not that uh, Rodriguez uh, used you know a, a used rubber to uh, to make El Mariachi, but uh, 
you know, things that cost about the equivalent of, uh, he did. I mean, that was, uh, a very fiscally friendly film. He, uh, it didn't take, uh, much money out of his account to, um, to put El Mariachi together, but, uh, but tell me it's not entertaining. El Mariachi is a damn fine film. It, uh, of course it was remade as Desperado and just as entertaining itself, but had El, Mar- El Mariachi simply existed and there would be no Desperado, I'd be quite happy. I mean, it, it, it's, it stands up. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, it, it's cheapness, for lack of a better word, um, is, is what works for, about it. it it, uh, it's part of its charm, I guess you'd say. And look, in, in many ways, you know, a film like El Mariachi and, and Reservoir Dogs, which, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino put together when he was working at a video store, um, and Bob and Harvey Weinstein, um, you know, then, then at Disney, um, decided to take a chance on it and him um, and quite a few other, you know, independent filmmakers who'd put together, uh, you know, shoestring budgeted flicks. Um so say what you will about Bob and Harvey, but uh, but these guys took a chance um, on a lot of young up and coming filmmakers, independent filmmakers in the um, in the mid to to late nineties uh, when when other studios wouldn't. So um, you know uh, they are responsible for, for for some of that great original fiscally friendly content that we saw um, you know in 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 the uh, in the Bill Clinton era there. Uh, but yeah, Blair Witch, of course, '99, uh, one of the biggest independent film success stories of all time, and of course, uh, in more recent years, we've had Cloverfield, of course, and I'm sure Matt Reeves would uh, would attribute the success of the Blair Witch Project to uh, to, to Cloverfield's, uh, you know, conception, uh, uh, the fact that uh, the Blair Witch even existed, that Dan Merrick and Edward Sanchez, you know, had had. Uh, had the uh, goal to actually go out and make something uh, on such a low budget and um, and the way they did, you know, th- uh, in camera, you know, a doc- documented kind of uh, a journal film, you know, f- hidden footage films, I believe they're calling them now, found footage films, and I'm sure, uh, as I said, Matt Reeves wouldn't uh, wouldn't have uh, gotten up Cloverfield, let alone had that uh, idea had. Um, had Blair Witch not came along, but uh, yeah, in, in in more recent years, you know, there's there's been a success of uh, a succession of, uh, of, of independent uh, horror films that have come through that have uh, you know just uh, lined up the uh, lined up the pins, being the patrons of the cinema, and uh, and bowled them down with their uh, you know uniqueness and um, and and that's made about paranormal activity. I mean. Wow, Paranormal Activity, a guy made this thing on his computer in San Diego, uh, you know, uh, uh, shot it with a couple of uh, non-union actors, um, the three of them combined, the actors and, uh, of course, Oren Pelly, the uh, the director, um, are now, you know, swimming in... Uh, in a vat of greenbacks. It's it's amazing how well Paranormal Activity did. But uh, I mean that that's that's opened the gates. It's opened the gates, and in, in a good way. In a good way. It uh, it means you know not every film out there has to be a, a Transformers. Uh, you know not everything. Um, uh, you know for that matter has to be you know one hundred and fifty million dollar. You know Superman sequel. It it as much as as much as I want to see a hundred and fifty million dollar Superman sequel as much as the next guy. But uh, you know I'm also all for guys that make movies on their computers. And today we're talking to uh, to to one such guy, Gareth Edwards. I mean he's a uh, he's a great bloke. He's he's a really nice bloke, and he, he he's uh he's got a good head on his shoulders. 
and he seems like a, a, a talent to uh, to keep your peepers on because uh, his new film, Monsters, uh, again, one of those uh, hidden footage films, found footage films, not unlike Cloverfield and, and Blair Witch, is uh, a really unique experience. Uh, Edwards wrote and directed this thing, and um, it doesn't look a million bucks. It's not supposed to a million bucks, but I tell you, it plays... Uh, Absolutely beautiful. And uh, we're going to have a chat to uh, Gareth uh, when we come back. Cash in on your new releases. Take them. Buy any specially marked Warner Brothers product in store or watch any selected Warner Brothers film on Foxtel Box Office for your chance to win a share of hundreds of thousands of dollars daily. Plus, everyone receives a bonus digital download from a choice of titles. You really are a genius. Not really. I Googled how to do that. For more information, go to warnerbros.com.au. Outstanding. On Blu-ray for the first time ever, One-Eyed Willie's Treasure is waiting for you. Oh, that rich Come on! From the imagination of Steven Spielberg and director Richard Donner. Look at that! It's the Goonies 25th Anniversary Collector's Edition. Goonies never say die! Jump into the action on Blu-ray. With remastered picture inside, <laughs> you'll go places you never imagined. Plus, the anniversary edition comes with loads of goony goodies. God, you guys look! Get ready for the adventure of a lifetime. Let's get out of here like now! The Goonies 25th Anniversary Collector's Edition on Blu-ray and DVD. Rather than the half cast, you've got the whole cast. Clint Morris here. And say there are films out there that uh, that offer a little bit more than Megan Fox, you know, laying atop of a motorcycle in some short shorts. Uh, Monsters, uh, a unique, innovative, rather groundbreaking new film. Uh, I guess you'd say it's a science fiction horror film, but it's also maybe a poignant contemporary romance. Uh, is a really admirable feat, you know, created on uh, essentially, you know, a PC, you know, HB pencil, journal notes, and and one great idea. Uh, it's the brainchild of, uh, of British filmmaker Gareth Edwards. Uh, the film is being described as the Latin District 9. I had a chat to uh, Gareth earlier this week about monsters. What a fabulous film. It's just uh, it's an absolute delight to watch. One of, the, one of the funnest films I've seen all year. And I saw it earlier in the year at the, uh, the LA Film Fest and um, I've been waiting for it to, to get a local release here so I can start telling people to go and see this thing. <laughs> It's just oh, thank amazing. Thank you very much. It's amazing. Oh, and, and no. You must be really thank stoked you. with the result. I'm, I'm really proud of that, but it, it does divide people. <laughs> it's it, like it, people... You've you found that, have you? That it divides people? Maybe I just look at the real arse end of the internet sometimes and yeah. on forums where, where certain people go, but it's... Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's like one of those things is, you know, you can get a lot of people making nice comments, but it only takes, if someone says something bad, that's mm-hmm. the one you take home with you, you know. Yeah. And I think, I think yeah, some people, they just expect Cloverfield 2 and District mm. 10, and when they don't get it, they just they just resent the whole thing, so. <laughs> um, well, but, but look, that's what works about it, the fact that it, uh, it, it isn't those films, and it's, it's, it's unique, and it's its own beast. Um, you know, that, in, for my part, anyway, that's what I found, uh, you know, refreshing and entertaining about it—that it is its own, uh, its own film. Uh, you, you wanted to do something original, obviously, and, and but, uh, uh, original, but uh, it, uh, it does pay homage to to some real classics. There, um, what were your inspirations coming up with this story? Um, 
The inspiration originally was to do, I mean, it wasn't a film inspiration. It was just trying to do a monster movie. I've always wanted to do a monster movie or a giant mm. monster movie. Mm. And typically the first, you know, the, the sort of genre of first-time filmmakers embrace are things like horror movies and and like, you know, zombies and things like that that you can pull off with, with very little money and create a world. And, and But now with digital technology, it, feels, it felt to me like, you know, another option was things like, Alien Invasion or um, or a monster movie or something where you could stick yeah. it in the background here and there and and so um, I was just looking for a new take on it and I ended up initially writing a document that on the front cover had uh, Blair Witch meets War of the Worlds and it was all mm. supposed to be like found footage video stuff mm. and then uh, Cloverfield came along so I had to scrap that and <laughs> so I kept I kept thinking of other ideas and and. And I kind of thought, well, if Cloverfield is like September 11th, then the next step on from that would be like Afghanistan. Of it, it's just you just 
stink of it. Yes. And I, and I kind of ate so much Spielberg films when I was little that um, it was inevitable when I got a chance to make a movie that, that there'd be a whole bunch of things in there. But mm. um, And, yeah, so, but also in terms of the love story that it evolved into, the, the influences were things like Lost in Translation and um, films like that. And there was yeah. actually, there's a film by Michael Winterbottom called In This World. Yeah, which is great. Which is, yeah, and that was a big. We pointed at that a lot to people and said, "That's sort of a style." In that, that felt when I watched that, you knew you were watching a made-up story because of some of the things that you witnessed. Right. Yeah. Couldn't be true. Ask people to get arrested, you know. Mm. But but you also felt like this all feels real. Like they're meeting the people they're meeting are real. The towns were in are real. Mm. It was like that hybrid between a documentary and a drama that kind of felt like the right mix. Mm. And um, and so that was a good reference. For sure. Now, what amazes me about, you know, I mean, I mean, this film and, and, and a lot of films like it is that the computers are, are breeding, you know, a new form of uh, filmmaker, breeding new filmmakers. You know, um, back in the old days, I mean, a VIC-20 or a Commodore 64 and you're trying to draw a stick figure on it and that was considered an accomplishment. Uh, I mean, the things you're able to do now, amazing. I, I really, I can't, I can't believe it. Seriously, you'd have to show me, um, you know, you'd have to show me proof that you actually did this on a computer because it, it is Magnificent, absolutely magnificent. I mean, where do you start with something like that? It just becomes easier in that it's not like to, to do a stick on a Vic Twenty used mm. to be like two hours of programming. Yeah. And now it's yeah, now it's no programming whatsoever. It's literally a stick is you know draw two points with a mouse and you have mm. a stick and mm. and so it's just become a lot more the programming the, the math has been taken away and it's all a lot more like. The creativity is much more like um, how you experience it in the real world. Like, like to sculpt a creature, mm. there's software now that's very much like you use a like a pen and a tablet, and you just mould it like clay, and you just push and pull with points with the pressure of the pen, and and very quickly you can you can model a, an animal, and and it that would have previously taken weeks, and now mm. you can do in hours what would have taken weeks, and so it's just the software has just got more and more advanced really. So is there any way, I mean, you could have done this film before this, you know, software was invented? Or, I mean, would you have even wanted to to try and approach it, you know, in the 80s? <laughs> um, All practical. It's funny if you th- um, I guess you could have had a go at it, couldn't you? Mm, um, you could have. You could have given it a good go. I think you probably could have. Uh, you know, what was weird is, thinking about it, to some extent, could have done a version of it for sure yeah. um, I even thought about it at one point when I was doing the creature stuff I really did think about building a real model and, and filming it and, and puppeteering the creatures like puppets mm. I did I did actually start looking into that because um, it got nearly as hard as doing it for real at one point um, I and so I was going to put them like the I was going to make a puppet and put it in a fish tank and then have all the undulating kind of movement from having water and stuff yeah like they did with the abyss, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but it, but then my my modelling skills are not quite as good. Um, <laughs> there's a scene. There's a scene in the film where there's a plane in the water that yep. submerges and rises out the water, and and I tried to do it with a model. I built a bit. I've kind of painted this model of an air, a certain fighter jet, and I and I I was going to put it in a pond in a lake, and then I went out of time to so start filming it in my bathtub. And and in the end, it just looked terrible. It looked rubbish. It really oh, looked really? like a model. Yeah. And so I had to... Are you still there? Yeah, I am, yep. Sorry, I'm sorry. 
So um, you had to, you had to uh, in the end I did it in CGI, but mm. there was um, I'm just my model skills are not that good. Yeah, well, but look, the Sci-Fi Channel would have bought that version, so it would have sold anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean the result uh, is terrific. I mean, is, is this all done on a Mac? I mean, nerdy question, but is it a Mac? And and you know, is it Mac programs and software? It's PC. Is it really um, PC? Yeah, the reason it's PC, it's all the same software probably that you get on a Mac, but it's the reason I use PC is because quite a few years ago you couldn't do 3D software on on a, on a Mac. It was I only see. good at 2D. Right. So you could only do things like you could do Photoshop really well, but you couldn't do, um, you know, like Maya and 3ds Max. You couldn't mm. use the the, the three-dimensional software, and now you can. Mm. But because all the 3D people had to buy PCs, it's like better the devil you know. Once you buy one type, you stick with it, don't you? And and true, so true. you could basically computer graphics are divided between Mac and PC users, and essentially the PC people are three D use three D. Oh right, okay. Now when 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 films like you know Oren Pelly's Paranormal Activity you know opened as as big as it did, did that kind of uh, you know give you some confidence that uh, you know your film might have a, a chance out there? Um, not. Really? Um, no, you, you, you were still think, apprehensive, or? Well, um, I, I, that was a major release by Paramount, you know. Yeah. And unless Paramount bought our movie, we're not going to have the same sort of release, so it would be mm. nearly impossible. Mm. Um, but it it made me. Yeah, I kind of think that they felt like you know the fact that it was more like Blair Witch. The fact I was that, just going to say that, yeah people were willing to embrace a lo-fi, crappy look, visual look, Mm. in order to get a more realistic experience. Yeah. Um, That was kind of quite... um, That that was quite reassuring, because Mm. it felt like reality beats quality, (laughs) in a way. Mm. And and, and then what happened, obviously, is in the years that it took between Blair Witch and, and me finally getting off my ass to make a film... Mm. The technology got better, and so the quality by the time I got around to it was as good as, you know, a, a film camera. All I want is to go back to America. I'm just asking you to help me out here. Very difficult journey, very risky, very dangerous. Mm. Um, you could have on your shoulder, and so um, so in the end it wasn't compromised. It could look quite cinematic. and mm. um, But, yeah, I think I think... Yeah, in terms of, if you look at all these films that have done loads and loads of, like, breakout films, they're always distributed yeah. by major studios. You know, mm. this is a, the thing, is you can be as independent as you want, but unless mm. you get into bed with a big studio, you're never going to have a massive film. No. But, I mean, but, but Blair Witch, I mean, it had Artisan behind it, I suppose, but, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, studios and distributors and so forth, Artisan were at the time, pretty much down the bottom there, you know, um, that was their big film. That kind of kept artisan afloat. So, uh, you know, at the same time, yeah, that, I mean, there's still, there's, there's still that, that chance that, uh, you know, a, a film with a, an indie distributor, um, you know, can, can really push a, a film. I think it, uh, sometimes it just comes down to the uh, word of mouth about a film and maybe the marketing. And, uh, you know, I think this film, uh, the word of mouth is definitely out there. And I think they're doing a great job of the marketing too. We'll see. I'm really, I really hope you're right. I just, I just, I'm just so nervous that, um, um, like in a sense, from a financial point of view, the film's mm. a success. 
anyway yeah. because we made it for so little money mm-hmm. um, that that every, the people who financed it are in profit now. Mm. So so we're all good. But the um, but now there's this pressure on for it to do even more than it than it was designed yeah. to do. And of course, and so you you kind of it feels like uh, I don't want to set any expectations up because from my mm. point of view. The, the 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 main reason I made it was, as, I guess, as a calling card. For sure. And, and so, um, all I needed to get out of it was just the chance to make a second film. Yeah. And so it looks like that more that will happen. So I'm kind of I'm I'm good. Whatever happens now in terms of box office. That's but, great. So what what's what's this fantastic show rule led to? Is it led to another, uh, you know, spook fest or is it something different? Something different. Another um, well, I, you end up going for a load of meetings in, in LA when you yeah. make a film. They, they invite you over and you just meet a load of people. And off the back of all that craziness, um, ended up getting um, Timur Bekmambetov, who's uh, the Russian filmmaker. Mm. Um, he ended up financing uh, me to develop my next film so that we could keep it out of the studio system. Good. So that um, we wouldn't have to like compromise creatively and all that. And so. Yeah. I pitched him an idea and he, he really liked it. It was a science fiction um, thing that I've always wanted to do. And, and we have a very vague tagline on purpose, which is um, um, an epic human story set in a futuristic world without humanity. Mm. So it's, uh, it's a bit, bit of a weird. That'll keep him guessing. But yeah. And so, yeah, if you figure it out, let me know. And I'll, I'll, I'll copy it and pretend it was my idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You, I'll, I'll give you a ten percent. It's all right. I'll, I'll slip you a ten percent. Yeah. Uh, what about a? Is there a franchise in monsters though? I mean, you know, it definitely lends itself to one. Eh? Or are you waiting for the think, for the box office to dictate that? I'm not sure how it all works, but there are there are emails flying around about this right now in my, really? on my iPhone. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. It'll be up to the producers. They they own all the the rights to it. So, yep. so um, I'm kind of leaving it to them to see mm. what. See what what's available, but um, but I certainly I like the world we created, and I certainly I would happily return. But I just I d- kind of don't want to get typecast as the guy who does mon- that monster. That's thing, right. You know. I mean, mm. well, that kind of happened to, to Dan Merrick and Ed Sanchez with with Blair Witch, I think, and they uh they've they've struggled to climb of kind of climb out of that hole since. So right. Um, but at the same time, um. Yeah, um, look, I'd personally love to see a follow-up. I, I just really enjoyed this movie and um, can't say enough good so about just, it. Thank you. If you if you saw a, a follow-up, mm. would you would you feel it'd have to involve the same characters or it'd just have to be the same world? I think if if it's the same world and, and the same tone and you you know it's a just as entertaining storyline, then, then then people will be you know uh, people will enjoy that. As far as I'm concerned, I mean. Oh, yeah. um, yeah, I mean that that is a hard one. That is a hard one. Uh, but but I personally, if it's the same world and uh, you know the film is just as good, if not better than than that, and keeps you as captivated, then um, yeah, why not go for for something different? Because that way, at least you're kind of getting to do something a bit more original, rather than you know trying to just you know repeat or replicate the first film. Uh, sure. So it's a bit of a you know it's a, it's a it's a halfway mark for you. You're, you're doing your original thing. You're doing your you're doing a sequel, so a bit for the fans, a bit for you. Sure, no, I think I think, yeah, it's like there there used to be um, 
sequels and then there was prequels. I'm like, mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if there's like a room for equals, which is <laughs> yeah. films set in the t- same time frame as the original, like but different mm. characters. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that idea a bit. I, yeah, and then I do like Scoot, Scoot and Whitney could be background people, <laughs> and, sure. and vice versa. And it's uh, like sure. Back to the Future too. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, uh, Duncan Jones' new film, um, Source Code, isn't it? I mean, and that's set at the same time as as Moon, I believe. And and, and Sam Rockwell's yeah, yeah, it is. And Sam Rockwell's going to be passing by in the background as his character from Moon. So that's what really? he's going for. Yeah, yeah. All right. So rather than do a straight up, you know, sequel, he's he's just setting something in the same world. Um, maybe all his films will be in the same universe, sort of thing. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But uh, but thank you I so think James much. James Cameron's films are a bit like that. James Cameron. Like I was just going to say that. Yeah. His technology always looks very similar. Like he has the same sort of like circular wing, uh, like um, you know, like the, the helicopters are kind of like the, the, the Skynet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter Killer things, yeah. very similar to the the things in Avatar, and then the Walkers in Avatar are similar to the the, the power right, yeah. things in in Aliens, and it all kind. Of, and I think that the, the, the if you ever kind of brought that up, I imagine the excuse would be, well, it's the same universe, you know. Mm, I um, imagine too. Yeah, but um, like Tim Burton has a look as well. It's kind of maybe True. maybe that's maybe just because it's the same filmmaker. Look, it could, it could, it's, it's maybe, and look, maybe that's that's that is the way to go. I think. I mean, if if there is pressure to do a monsters sequel, and 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 you know, the, the fans want it, then uh, you've got an opportunity to you know take a page out of Duncan Jones' book and or screenplay, and uh, <laughs> you know, and set something in the same universe. So I think it's I think it's the way to go. It uh, shows that uh, you know you're unique, and uh, you've got more ideas out there than just this one. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to see uh, you know something else in in this world. I mean, it's uh, the fascinating world you've come up with. Thank you. Well, and I'll I'll certainly reply to these emails. <laughs> yeah, do that. Do that. Do that. <laughs> and, and 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 good luck with the film. And I really mean that um, here and, and offshore. I, I I hope it finds its audience, and I'm 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 sure it will. No, cheers. Well, thanks to people like yourself. Um, it's got a much better chance now. So. Oh, I, I think you can. Cheers you're for in, supporting it. No, not a problem at all, and and, and congratulations, mate. Uh, Good luck. Cheers, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for covering it. Thank you. Miley Cyrus and Max Azria is perfect. Perfect. together today. I've trained 1206. Is there a problem? I just don't like working at a damn daycare center. I don't like working at a retirement home, so. All right. This ain't training. In training, they just give you an F. Out here, you get killed. Married? Sort of. It's a long story. How about you? You married? Got two beautiful daughters. Have fun. What do we do when we get to a railroad crossing? We have an 
one-man train rolling into a highly populated area with no air brakes? Yeah. Over six, over six, what's up? There's an unmanned train on the northbound track. It's under power? It's coming straight at us. What are we worried about in terms of cargo? Eight freight cars of hazardous chemicals. We're not just talking about a train. We're talking about a missile the size of the Chrysler building. I need to know where that train is. We're not exactly sure. You're not sure? We'll find out. What the hell? Blowing requests a transfer to my outpost. I count on two things. Either he's lazy or he's an upstart looking for an easy promotion. I was shot on duty, sir. The doctor said we should move somewhere quiet, away from the city. Cross seat 9am, Jimmy Conway break out of the maximum security prison at Western Bay. Conway was convicted of murdering his wife and the attempted murder of a Red Hill police officer. We all know what we're dealing with here. Jimmy Conway rides into this town. He'll be bringing hell with him. He's letting us down like dogs. We'll play him at his own game. We stop running, we start hunting. Where's the backup? There isn't any. What the hell's going on here? You tell me, son. Come on, Jimmy! I know you're out there! production or a DEG production as it were but you know 
this guy had been producing movies since the 40s. He, uh, he started his own production company in the 40s. He did films like La Strada, one of my wife's favourite films. And, uh, and then, you know, in, in the 60s, he opened up his own studio. Uh, and, and he made a, a bunch of films in there before uh, moving to America. He moved to Wilmington, opened DEG, started making films like Blue Velvet and Dune, both with, um, with David Lynch. beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as June. Many dangers exist on Arrakis. The unknown did an incredible secret has been kept on this planet. And the unbelievable meat. I see two great houses. Where kingdoms are built, on Earth that moves. And we have wormside the likes of which even God has never seen. And skies are filled with fire. The progress which will cleanse the universe and bring us out of darkness. When a young warrior is called upon to free his people, a world that holds creation's greatest treasure. He who controls the spice controls the universe. And greatest terrors. The 80s were, were definitely his uh, his Hollywood era, you know, tonally in terms of the film he made, um, and uh, you know, 
literally, being that he was based in in California. But uh, you know, he, he in the in the early eighties, of course, he, he did films like Halloween Two, um, you know, the sequel to John Carpenter's uh, Halloween, which was was pretty damn good. Uh, he did Ragtime. He of course did Conan the Barbarian with a uh, intolerably inaudible uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, he did a couple of amateur film movies. Um, he did he did another Halloween movie, uh, Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Sans Michael Myers. Uh, you know, three more days till Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Uh, the Dead Zone. Uh, David Cronenberg's uh, film version of the Stephen Cook King book. Stephen Cook. Uh, Stephen King book, uh, Marty Sheen, Christopher Walken in there, uh, and another Conan movie in there too. Obviously, it was around this time that uh, that someone uh, you know, whispered in uh, De Laurentiis's ear that uh, money can be made in franchises. So we had all these amateur movies and Conan movies and uh, uh, whatever else. In later years, of course, the Hannibal Lecter movies that uh, De Laurentiis uh, produced. Uh, but one of his uh, earlier Hollywood efforts, uh, one that uh, most of us remember very, very well and, and, and recognise as one of his films, is, uh, <laughs> is of course, Flash Gordon, the, uh, the campy take on the old uh, pop comic. It's, um, it's, it, look, it's a fun film. It's a fun film. It, it, uh, it shares more... Uh, its tone is more Batman, you know, Adam West, uh, you know, Burt Ward Batman... Um, than anything else, uh, it's even, you know, dare I say, campier than Richard Donner's Superman films. Um, it's it, it it doesn't take it seriously at all. Uh, you know, Sam Jones's uh, version of, of Flash Gordon, who in this is, is a footballer, by the way, so they uh, they took some liberties. Um, you know, Sam Jones's Flash Gordon essentially goes to space and, and with you know with his muscles and his uh, female sidekick Melody Anderson takes on uh, Max von Sydow's uh, Ming the Merciless uh, to the beat of Queen music. I love this flick. Looking at you know some of the films that De Laurentiis produced in the in, in the mid uh, 80s, and you know I'm not referring to things like Maximum Overdrive or the, the Schwarzenegger stuff he did, you know Raw Deal or Red Sonja. They were pretty average flicks, you know Cat's Eye, Lewis Teague's Cat's Eye, Silver Bullet with Corey Haim. You know, all you know, it was hit or miss, uh, as any producer usually is, you know. Um, but uh, some absolute gems there too. I mean Michael Cimino's Year of the Dragon. Uh, one of the best action thrillers of the uh, 80s, Mickey Rourke, uh, John Lone. This is, uh, this is a movie that still holds up today. If you have not seen Year of the Dragon in a couple of years, it's time to revisit it. Uh, I swear, you, you'll think it was made yesterday. And fuck it, even if you don't, it, it's still a great movie. It still holds up. Uh, it grabs you by the testes and doesn't let go. It really is a top um, action thriller, as is Manhunter, which... Uh, which De Laurentiis produced the next year, of course. Michael Mann's slick, suspenseful Manhunter with uh, William L. Peterson, who, of course, would go on to just star in Cousins and Young Guns 2, but more so CSI. Uh, 
uh, as Will Graham and Brian Cox as the uh, very first uh, very first uh, version, for lack of a better word, of Hannibal Lecter, uh, Hannibal the Cannibal. And Brian Cox was brilliant. I mean, many people, of course, you know, rightfully so, probably, you know, recognise Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, but. Uh, you know, I think uh, Brian Cox did a pretty slick job too, and, and Manhunter. Uh, I'm going to go out and win and say Manhunter is, is probably my favourite. Um, you know, adaptation of uh, of a Thomas Harris novel. It's probably my favourite uh, Hannibal Lecter movie. I just uh, I love the look of it. Uh, I love the feel of it. I think it's tight. Uh, I think the performances uh, really pack a punch, and um, it's the one I find myself returning to the most. Um, and I'm sure I'm not alone. I know there's a lot of Manhunter fans out there. You got my car? I got it, thank you. And how is Officer Stewart? The one who was first to see my basement. Stewart's fine. Emotional problems out here. Do you have any problems, Will? No. No, of course you don't. I'm glad you came. My callers are mostly clinical psychologists from Cornfield University somewhere. Second raters, the lot. Dr. Bloom showed me your article on surgical addiction in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. And? Very interesting. Even to a layman. Layman? A layman? Interesting term. So many experts on government grants, and you say you're a layman. But it was you who caught me, wasn't it, Will? Yeah, you know, I did it. What does it matter now? It doesn't matter to me, Will. I want you to help me, Dr. Lecter. Yes. I thought so. It's about Atlanta and Birmingham. Yes? You read about it? In the papers. I don't tear out the articles. I wouldn't want them to think I was dwelling on anything more than Look, as I said, I mean, every producer has his hits and misses. And, uh... Sometimes what you think uh, uh, will work, won't. Uh, and and De Laurentiis started to discover that in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, you know, with things like, uh, you know, King Kong Lives and, uh, and Hiding Out with John Cryer and The Bedroom Window with Steve Gutenberg and uh, Collision Course. Do you remember Collision Course? Uh, Jay Leno, who was, was pretty much just a struggling stand-up comic at the time, was teamed with uh, Pat Morita from the Karate Kid movies in this action comedy, which I assume was made to kind of cash in on the success of, uh, you know, Running Scared, the Billy Crystal, Gregory Hines movie, or uh, to a greater extent, probably Lethal Weapon. Uh, it was a tragic movie, uh, as was a couple of the others that, uh, <laughs> that Dino uh, uh, lent a hand to in the uh, late 80s, like From the Hip, the uh, the Bob Clark film that starred, uh, you know, Judd Nelson, and uh, Desperate Hours reteamed uh, De Laurentiis with Michael Cimino, but it was... Uh, it wasn't half the film that Year of the Dragon was, you know. Great to see Rourke and Cimino and De Laurentiis all together again, but uh, pretty weak effort. I remember seeing it on VHS and don't remember returning to it. Well, maybe I should. Maybe it just wasn't... Uh, uh, maybe I expected too much, having been such a fan of Year of the Dragon. But, um, yeah, uh, some duds followed too, like Once Upon a Crime. Remember that? Eugene Levy and uh, John Candy and uh, Body of Evidence. Jesus. Madonna dripping uh, hot, sticky, wet stuff on top of uh, uh, Willem Dafoe's butt, and he returns the favour by uh, dropping the same on her, except in cold form. Uh, uh, look, but at the same time, you know, De Laurentiis gave uh, gave us 
such fantastic films as Evil Dead 2, you know, uh, Sam Raimi's semi-remake of his uh, college project, uh, Army of Darkness, which, uh, Evil Dead 3, it, which is equally as much fun as Evil Dead 2, uh, Unforgettable, the John Dahl film with Ray Liotta and Linda Fiorentino. Love that film. It's a, it's a great, fantastic thriller. Uh, as is Bound, or Wachowski's Bound with Gina Gershon. Uh, U571, uh, Jonathan Mosto. Um, love that. Uh, as, as I do Breakdown, which, which Mosto also directed. Um, and, and look, and, and from then on, you know, in the, in the, in the noughties, uh, De Laurentiis, uh, I believe he was running some kind of food business, like a, a, a Italian gourmet food business uh, in New York and LA by that time. And so he'd kind of taken a backseat to producing, but he, he would lend his name and expertise to uh, to the Hannibal Lecter movies. He didn't do Silence of the Lambs, but he did uh, Hannibal uh, and Red Dragon and Hannibal Rising. Uh, and so it's, he kind of made his, uh, if he wasn't uh, you know, already making it on... Uh, you know, a pasta bake that he was selling in New York at a market through his, you know, gourmet chain. He was making it on these Hannibal Lecter movies. Um, his last two films as a producer were The Last Legion with Colin Firth and Virgin Territory, a, uh, a comedy with uh, with Hayden Christensen. So, you know, he didn't actually go out with a bang, but um, considering, you know, uh, 60-something years in the business, he had made, you know, no less than, you know, 10 to 15 great, great movies. Uh that's 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 no that's nothing to you know nothing to turn your nose up at and, and Dino De Laurentiis will definitely be remembered. He uh, he gave us many a fucking great film. So rest in peace, uh, Dino, and may your uh, may your films and legacy uh, live on. commander of the 5th Precinct and the most decorated cop in New York City, has declared war on Chinatown. I got a complaint about you already. Today there were 43 gang arrests, three gambling parlors raided, six sweatshops busted. You're only meant to shake up the gang kids. And now, an opening blow at the man who's been called the godfather of Chinatown, Joey Tai. Mr. Tai, can you tell us if there is such a thing as the Chinese Mafia? Mr. Tai, what is your comment? Mr. Tai, do you have any comments? Let me make this real clear to you right here and there. Joey Tai goes to the mayor, the mayor goes to me, and the word is lay off. You think gambling, extortion, corruption are kosher? What Chinese mafia? The investigation's in your mind. These people are the biggest importers of heroin in this country. The point here is you cease and desist. Nobody wants to win this thing, do you? You don't like it? Resign. Maybe everybody's right. I'm chasing something that doesn't exist. This is not the Bronx or Brooklyn. It's not even New York. Chinatown, right? It can be very easy or it can be very hard. You care too much, Stanley. How can anybody care too much?
man. Want to look good? Can't afford it? Don't worry. Come to Marty Wells, Ventura Boulevard, Studio City. Since 1991, Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer Parker in the original Back to the Future motion picture, has been selling stylish, high-fashion men's apparel at prices from 60 to 80% below retail value. Customers can find a wide selection of new suits, ties, sports coats, shoes, boots, and accessories, all at discount prices. 818-985-5899. Armani Wells, 12404's Ventura Boulevard, Studio City. These are dark times, there is no denying. Tell me where he is. Our world has faced no greater threat than it does today. But you can't fight this war on your own, Mr. Porter. He's too strong. have infiltrated the ministry. You have nothing to fear if you have nothing to hide. The longer we stay here, the stronger he gets. I must be the one to kill Harry Potter. Let's get off the streets, get somewhere safe. Let's say we get undercover before someone murders him. That way they won't know which Harry Potter is the real one. Nobody else is going to die. Not for me. We have to do something. Is he going to know how this feels? No, you don't know how it feels. Your parents are dead. You have no family. Ah! He's after you, Mr. Potter. Tell me where he is. We really don't stand a chance. I have seen your and it is mine. Being that uh recording the whole cast from uh, different headquarters today and uh, have to share the, uh, the microphone and headphones with, uh, with, uh, with other folks. We have to share, that's what I tell my daughter. Uh, we have to clear out, but uh, we will be back later in the week with a, uh, another whole cast, another new whole cast with, uh, with another special guest who's also got somewhat of a, uh, a thriller and a, a fiscally friendly one. Uh, so I thank you for your company and uh, we'll talk to you then. Music on the whole cast is supplied by soundj.com.